And welcome to a special edition of the Melts of Five Star Project, the little podcast project that could. In which myself, you let me tell you something, co-host Lorca Mullen, and your other let me tell you something, co-host Simon Cross, have been discussing every match that they can find that they can confirm as best as possible that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. And we have reached... What we are counting as the 200th, I do know for sure that at least one of that 200 we weren't able to get access to and therefore it's still an episode to be recorded if we ever find it. So it's technically not the 200th and actually when you factor in debriefs, we've actually done more than 200. But look, I don't get to feel special a lot in my life. Why do you think we make a podcast? (laughs) So I'm going to take what little victories I can. I know there's that famous tweet where they say men would literally rather start a podcast than go to therapy. I didn't realise it ran quite this true. Hey, it's a lot cheaper than therapy. Amen, brother. (laughs) But what we are personally diagnosing are the quality of matches that Dave Meltzer thinks are five stars or higher. And as we said, we're on to the 200th of those by our count. Simon... What match are we talking about today? We're talking about a match that took place on AEW Dynamite. Although it's a match which boiled the piss of some people online. Because it's, you know, Kenny Omega, who we all know about, versus some... Just some bloke. Just some bloke who wasn't introduced to us. So how are we meant to connect with him? Al Hijo del Vikingo. So we knew a fair bit about El Hijo del Vikingo coming into this because I think he's been in five five star matches at least by Dave Meltzer's ratings. Yep. So we're aware of what's coming. And other people in the crowd that are knowledgeable fans, which make a large percentage of the AEW fan base, were also excited to see him. But yes, he was a mystery package for a lot of people watching that match. And yes, a lot of people criticised this decision, didn't they, Simon? Oh, people online were like, what, what, where, where's my video package? Where's my promos? How do I connect with this character? Oh, I don't understand it. It's different from what I like. So I was just playing back a recording of what Simon sent to me on WhatsApp after he saw the tweet announcing this <laughs> You're a snake. You know that. <laughs> One of the reasons that we tried to do the concept of, let me tell you something, being holistic, not of its specific time and place, was because the wrestling world, both a lot of the wrestling, frankly, and in particular the wrestling fan base, pissed me off no end that I don't want any part of their discussions. (laughs) But this has been a criticism that's gone on for quite a while now with AEW, and they do debut quite a number of people. And look, there are some validity in the in the sense of them overstuffing the roster or them bringing someone into the company and not knowing where to go with them after they first debut. I get those criticisms. I'm a part of those criticisms. Yeah. But the notion 
that someone debuting with no build-up is inherently bad booking because every person online now is fucking 1986 Bill Watts. <laughs> I was going to say 97 poorly, dangerously. Yeah, or 2017 Gado. I just want to ask you this question, Simon. Now think about this when I ask you it. Who would you consider to be the biggest mainstream star who debuted in wrestling on a national basis or wherever you want to call it in the 21st century? Who would you say is the biggest star in wrestling that's been produced in the 21st century? That would be one Jonathan Cena. Yeah, John Cena. Just tell me, Simon, how did John Cena debut? He turned up, challenged Kurt Angle, wrestled Kurt Angle. Was he given video packages building him up? No. Was he given sneak previews? No. Was his debut announced on the previous SmackDown or Raw? No. Did people going into that match know anything about him, know his finishing move, or anything like that? No. Did it affect him one jot? No. Because he's in Peacemaker now and he's he's crossed the Rubicon in, literally into the mainstream and was a 16-time world champion. So can people complaining that someone debuting without any introduction shut the fuck up? Shut up. Shut, shut up. <laughs> Take a fuck and shut it up with you. <laughs> That's been in there a while, hasn't it? When you press the button that says tweet, think this first in your head. (laughs) Shut the fuck up! (laughs) Oh, how how better do you feel now you've said that into a microphone? It it doesn't relieve anything, to be honest. It's primal scream therapy as close as I come to that, really. Ah. Would be to just see every wrestling fan that tweets and just go up to each and every one of them individually and tell them to shut the fuck up. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, the Venn diagram of our fan base is... uh... It's just, this is why I don't deal with (laughs) wrestling. This is why, you know, we don't... Obviously, there's ways we could have done to push this harder and go more content. We could have just done, this is what happened this week in wrestling, and let's give our opinions, and just short-term is short-term is short-term. And ultimately, what the Meltzer Five Star Project has become since we finished the initial run in 2019 has been us reflecting on what's going on in wrestling in the modern world. And because Meltzer's just letting them all go like your sister and prom nights. Brilliant. It's, you know, (laughs) it's... (laughs) With your mum catching the strays. This is... <laughs> You've had a rant and now you're all hyped up, aren't you? <laughs> I've had too much verbal sugar. <laughs> this takes up like almost half of all the episodes we do on a yearly basis now. <laughs> so it's had, I think maybe that's why I've become more tetchy in recent years. Yeah, But, you know, at the end of the day, whilst I rarely agree with Dave Meltzer's rating, and I'll be honest, again, I'm not giving this match five stars. Okay. At the very least, the purpose of the five-star ratings, as Meltzer said recently on Twitter, saying, imagine someone getting upset about star ratings. That was beautiful. I immediately thought of you when I saw that tweet. Yeah. 
is that they're meant to be recommendations. Yeah. That's what it was always meant to be. Not about compartmentalizing, not about mathematizing, not about defining the quality of wrestling as if it's a science. Mm. And Meltzer can say that, but as I've said, he seems to think his word has some sort of objective clarity to it. Hmm. At times. Hence him doing things like giving the last match we covered five and three quarter stars. Yeah. But let's not get into all that now. I would definitely recommend people watch this match. And going into it blind is actually one of the exciting points because you say so many of the ones that we give five stars to, uh, you you say, oh, I want an emotional storyline build up and everything to it. That was one of the factors that you were sort of listing in your criteria with the MJF Brian Danielson match. Yeah. But what's beautiful about this match is that the notion is that you're meant to come in cold, that Vikingo is a bit of a mystery to all of us. Yeah. And therefore your jaw drops the floor even more because not only are you seeing this guy for the first time and seeing what he does, you're seeing him do moves that you have never seen before. Yeah. In wrestling. So him being a surprise package, again, like it was for the John Cena thing, because it was meant to be him surprising a cocky Kurt Angle who's who recently been balded and was trying to, was taking his aggression out on randos. Yeah. <laughs> It, it works for that again the surprise of this guy actually having something to him in terms of the actual match itself you're right you are right it is designed to go this man's amazing look at what this man can do and it achieves that objective with a plum even down to omega essentially wrestling as the heel of the match yeah both in the mockery of vikingo at the start with all the things that he's done and achieved. And did he say undefeated in life was one line I particularly wrote. Particularly yeah. enjoyed and wrote down. But in the way that he wrestled this match is quite reminiscent of when Rey Mysterio debuted in WCW or ECW. And he'd be wrestling against guys like Dimalenko or Psychosis. Mm. Who very rarely are the bigger guy in a match. But because they were for this one, they would take advantage of that and hit them with power moves. They'd constantly be trying to keep Mysterio down as much as possible, yeah. particularly Malenko, keeping him grounded. And Mysterio would surprise them with their speed and their agility, and that's what Vikingo's doing in this match. Kenny Omega isn't the biggest guy in the world. He's not the smallest either. If he were to go to WWE, he wouldn't really look out of place in the modern context of what the size of most wrestlers are. But he's visibly much bigger than Vikingo in this match. I didn't really appreciate how small Vikingo was until this match, I suppose, because he'd been in the ring with guys like... Laredo Kid and, and Ray uh, Phoenix, Ray Phoenix, who are similarly five seven, five six ish. Yeah, although Penta looks bit much bigger than him in the tag match that we did cover. So yeah, but again, Penta himself is only five foot nine, but he's a bit bulkier. Yeah, and he's just got that personality that also makes you seem bigger than you are. I remember Mick Foley saying that Homicide presented himself much bigger than he was. With the way that he wrestled and presented himself and held himself, and that's what Penta does as well. But Vikingo, it's the whole point is that he's just this physical marvel that also is doing. I think the key is that he's using the ring in ways that the ring hasn't been used really before. Yeah, and the key of that is a couple of moments is obviously him doing the thing where he comes from the second rope and leaps over the rope like the top rope like a hurdle, and goes into the ring or goes out of the ring from where he was initially. Yeah. But also down to him using the ring post at one point as a launching pad. Realising that he'd foolishly put his 
the Kingo head oh, yeah. or whatever it was on that ring post. So awkwardly having to remove it before doing the move, leaving Omega to sort of stand there for a little bit longer. Yeah. But yeah, just showing, doing things in the ring that you hadn't seen before. It's like how Kofi Kingston coming up with creative ways to escape the to avoid getting eliminated in the Royal Rumble and everything. Yeah. That's what always excites people or when the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian start reinventing the ladder and the, what the ladder can do in ladder matches. That's what Vikingo's mm. doing. And it's always exciting when there's someone that comes along and gives you something new because you've watched it for so long that you kind of think that everything that could be done has been done. Yeah. And just every few years, it was Phoenix, it was Rey Mysterio, it was Jeff Hardy. This seems to mostly be high flyers, and I suppose that is the case, really. The, the innovation, Ricochet, Will Ospreay. Mm. Those people that are taking what we thought was possible and pushing it further. Oh, yeah. And I do think it- that like, if Rey Mysterio had been born now, he'd be doing these crazy things. But because his way of pushing the envelope was like springboards and, and variants of Hurricane Ranas, that's what he did then. And so if Vikingo had turned up 20 years ago, he wouldn't be doing stuff off of ring posts and all that. He would just be pushing it further and it just keeps on getting further and further. And someone's going to turn up in three to seven years time that's going to be doing something that amazes us after Vikingo. And that's the exciting thing about not just wrestling, but any kind of performance art or art in general. Yeah. See, I view Ray, it's difficult because I view Ray for a slightly different lens. And maybe it's because I've seen him so much on mainstream TV, but also just... The presence of Rey Mysterio, it's like Penta, it's like with Penta, he's not fighting like a bigger person, but he has so much charisma and ring awareness that he seems like a bigger presence without like being like domineering or like mean and nasty with like the arm breakers like, like Penta was. Well, the thing with Rey Mysterio is because he was so small that that really paid into his advantage, actually. I think if Rey Mysterio had been five foot eight or five foot seven, he maybe wouldn't have been as big a star as he was. Mm. Because he was doing this exciting stuff and he was finding ways as a guy who's only five foot three to beat people and it be convincing. Yeah. And that's similar to Vikingo, because as I say, Vikingo's quite small. It probably is better that he's only five foot five, five foot six. Although, without the mask, I think it's weird. Like, again, I think one of the reasons why I think Rey Mysterio was so popular, especially with kids, is because kids can imagine that they're small as well. So, but if they put on the mask, it's like a superhero power. Okay. And they, they project themselves onto Rey Mysterio, which is why I always thought it was kind of dumb to introduce his children and everything. And now, you know having a full grown son <laughs> is so weird oh but it's so good yes obviously with the storyline that it's produced but my point was like the whole the mystery of Rey Mysterio I didn't want him to be a guy that deals with parental custody battles just personally oh no 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 that 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 led to a class ladder match I can't I know it was like a bit very hokey that but that ladder match was insanely good but yeah, until Vikingo turned up, I thought Ray Phoenix was going to be the biggest luchador since Ray Mysterio. Yeah. And it could still be that case, but Vikingo is obviously just as close to him in what he can do in the ring physically. Yeah. And again, with that, you need the perfect launching pad or the perfect landing pad as well. And Omega is that in this match. Omega's athletic ability 
certainly makes him a great partner for Vikingo. And the fact he sells for him so much as well. Like, Vikingo gets most of the offense in this match, really. He gets the high-profile offense, you're right. I mean, the the time that Omega's dominating him is the commercial break period. Yeah, and it's very 80s-esque, isn't it? It's like ground and pound, strikes and kicks. Again, that's one of the things that always kind of throws me when I watch the Dynamite matches as we do on the fight app so we see the slow part yeah that kind of wears us down almost and it is just omega hits a backbreaker applies that sort of lucha half camel clutch thing Mm. grabs the hair as well that was another mark against it for me was like he was obviously playing up that he was targeting vikingo's back but there was nothing in what vikingo did throughout the whole match that really sold that in any way shape or form and didn't give him like a because again, like I said, it's like he's meant to be the underdog that you're rooting for through adversity. Like I remember the first match that Rey Mysterio had on WWE TV against Chavo Guerrero, and Chavo Guerrero made a point of targeting the midsection throughout Storm. Mm. And again, Mysterio played that really well and sold. And and when he won, he was like clutching his stomach throughout Storm as well. Yeah. Obviously, sometimes you want it to be like a dominant performance, and maybe that was like not what Vince wanted. But I thought it was a good way of them both working together that made Chavo still look pretty good and. The whole point of Mysterio when you're that small is you are going to have to fight through adversity. Yeah, you are going to... In the AEW world, Kenny Omega is probably still presented as the best in-ring wrestler overall mm. in the promotion. Yeah, although he did, he sold his like midsection issues. And in storyline senses, he, he wasn't at his um, most mentally focused because of what happened to the Young Bucks at the start of the episode. So maybe like they can use those as plot points for like, okay... And he's been in the trios for so long. This is his first singles match on Dynamite for over like 300 plus days, they said on commentary. So, yes, Vikingo's getting a lot of offense, but they've set up reasons for why that's the case. So they're protecting Kenny whilst making this Vikingo's vehicle, basically. They got that balance right. I think one thing that was visible throughout this whole thing was that Vikingo was nervous. That there were moments where he seemed to sort of lose his place stutter in the ring like stand there for a moment and there were some awkward moments also when he did two of the outside of the rings leaping into the ring to land on omega twice he like landed knees into omega's stomach yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if omega came out of that with a bruised rib or two yeah and those are just nitpicks but like i said when it comes to five stars you you start to nitpick a little bit and as i said there was moments where he was like pausing in the ring and these were all fine you know, he's mm. just finding his place, he's nervous, and that again plays up to him, like, this is his biggest stage, this is his moment, and he's got to take it with both hands, and he does. Yeah. And it is just the innovation of these moves, like the 450 into a Hurricane Rana, how you can even think to do that. That's that's the one that they call the Implosion Rana, isn't it? And it's just like, what is going on? I can't remember if that's the point. No, no, there's one where he does one of the Ranas off the ring post. Uh, to the apron to the outside and um, Taz says something along the lines of I've seen moves like that never really considered it like myself though I'm like oh have you not really Taz that does surprise (laughs) me and then for about 30 seconds afterwards I was just trying to picture Taz doing Rana's well he's about the same height but he was a bit more sturdier (laughs) with those thighs you'd be dead yeah yeah, fucking hell I think they also did a good job of escalating it. Like, the moves became increasingly impressive. Like, he starts it off mm. with a traditional tope. He gets the two topes that you get out of every AEW match with any kind of high flyer. He gets them out of the way, first of all. 
when when Omega's making his entrance. There's the Tope Suicida and then the Tope Con Hello. And then it's like, now you're going to see the stuff that I do that the people that do those moves can't do. <laughs> now I've checked those boxes. That's his base level. He's like, right, there's my basement. Yeah. There you go. Now watch, I'm going to build the house. <laughs> I do love how the camera catches him doing it as well because you can see, because it's catching, it's following Omega down the ramp and then you're getting towards him being in the ring and then you see Vikingo mm. start to run. And you're like, oh, he's doing something here. And then he just <laughs> flies into Omega. It's just like, oh, I don't know why, but you've just met, reminded me of the bit in The Simpsons, the pretzel episode. But Marge, the little guy, hasn't moved yet. <laughs> yeah. He's about to do something, and you know it's going to be good. But then they go into the ring, and then it goes into a strike exchange, and Omega quickly recovers. And like when the bell actually rings, he's in control. So they're establishing early on. Vikingo's got to hit him with his quickness and his speed. Because Omega will overpower him in the ring. Yeah. And then it's just slung shots from the second rope, 450 splashes. And it's, it's like he's building up the impressive nature of his moves and the slightly different version. So it is, he's, do, he's doing the 450, but he's doing it leaping over the top rope. And then he does the 450 into a Hurricane Rana when Omega's on the apron. Oh, no, sorry. First, then he does the implosion 450 in the ring off the top rope. Yeah. Landing and then hitting it. And then he does... It from the ring post, so that's the first bit of innovation, and then the final coup de gras big move that he does is the six thirty from the second rope onto Omega laid out on the table, which was a spot I think he'd done on a GCW show a few weeks earlier. He does also do a, uh, and I'm surprised you of all people haven't mentioned this, a super reverse Rana as well. Well, I was going to get to that. We didn't mention the reverse Rana in the MJF Danielson match either. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting sloppy with my. Ah, oh, standards are slipping. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you off as there was sixty plus minutes of, of of match to go through on that occasion. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, that was the number one thing that sort of took me out of the moment because I know that Omega's an eccentric wrestler ever anyway, and he did bring out the table in the Will Ospreay match, which is the other big singles match that he's had, which was him again yeah. being the less spectacular wrestler in, in that case, but getting the victory. And which is again, a victory that I think he will have to return the favor to later on in the year. Oh yes. I think, I think we have a date for that, even though it's not announced yet. <laughs> yeah. And also there was the power bomb reversal spot as well. That was another big one that they did. And him doing Phoenix splashes because that was the first one was a four fifty. Then he does a Phoenix splash, so there's a twist in it, you know. And... Off the se- off the middle rope. That's yeah. that's it's the it's the lack of space he has to do it. Yeah, that he does it in. That's that's what confounds me. But it's also one of those ones where if you if you're going to be harshly critical, it's like surely you want to be at the highest possible point to make the biggest possible impact. Yeah, like he's doing a more difficult move that, in theory, doesn't do as much damage and takes longer to set up. Mm. You know, that's just again, that's just nitpicking on a silly level. Yeah, because yeah. as you say, this is a showcase. This is a spectacle, and we are watching like like we've talked whenever we talk about lucha. Lucha is different to American style pro wrestling. It just is. Yeah, it's not the focus of Vikingo to build up emotional sympathy. And maybe that's why Rey Mysterio is so special that he can do it in different environments that he has been able to transfer to an American audience in the way that not a lot of Mexican wrestlers have, you know, the way that Mystico was unable to. Mm. 
and and sort of all the other identikit luchadors that clogged up the WCW mid card in the nineties, whilst yeah. Rey Mysterio was always that step above, and and the few that made it up there was also like Juventud Guerrera, um, who similarly showed some personality, and as we say now, Pentagon with yeah. the personality and Phoenix with the moves. Juventud's an enigma to himself. Yeah. I've been reminded recently of just like sometimes late on in WCW when he just started doing the Rock's moves to try and have a feud with The Rock, who was in a different bloody promotion. But to be fair, it got attention because mm. I don't know if it was this that sparked it. I think he did it before it, but The Rock famously said to Chris Jericho the second time they had a promo off a few weeks after Jericho's debut. You think you impressed The Rock because a couple of months ago you were down south beating some dude named Hooventude. <laughs> so i don't know which came first in that one ah right 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 so there's not much to this match it's it's a hell of a snack oh yeah it's a hell of a sugar rush and different wrestling is giving different things and the whole point about AEW is they usually try to put on at least one match that gets the fans going most weeks and that's why mm. i mean AEW dynamite i don't i'm gonna have to do loads of stat checks now with all this stuff but dynamite must have been the tv show that's produced the most five-star matches already by quite a distance i guess because the majority of the other ones are either pay-per-views or yeah japanese events which don't really count you know <laughs> so well that just speaks to the nature of pay-per-view in general obviously as well yeah uh, that's a whole thing in, in, and again in that's itself. why you want this to be kind of out of nowhere because you're not going to get you're not going to be able to charge people to watch vikingo now for the supercard of honor match that he's got coming up against commander there'll be plenty of people that probably will be tempted to put down a penny or two, and we might be discussing that in a few weeks' time. We might indeed. Because he debuted on the Face of the Revolution match, and apparently that spot was originally planned for El Hijo del Vikingo, but he couldn't make it. Uh, Do you know what? I'm glad. (laughs) Where do you think El Hijo Vikingo goes from here? Because the problem is that the criticism that is valid about debuting wrestlers is that AEW bring people in, give them incredible moments and then three months later they haven't done anything with them most obvious point the last time we had a similar situation of a luchador coming in and having an amazing first match sparks a bidding war because when they had that match they weren't signed and then they get signed and then they do nothing with them is bandido Mm. who last time was on tv was in the brian danielson gauntlet for mjf and then I think he was, was he involved in the uh, aborted Alberto, El, another guy who struggled to, <laughs> he's had his moments, but you know, mm. it's never quite worked yet. You feel like it will at some point with him, but if I were Vikingo, I don't know if I'd sign for AEW or WWE at this point. He's only 25. Yeah, I would maybe spend another year or two in Mexico going to PWG, going to the Indies, getting an AEW booking here and there when they want them to do something high profile or a Ring of Honor booking. Traveling the world, doing some stuff in Japan. I mean, he's with Triple E R, so he can't do New Japan. You never know with that kind of politics where that will end up. Oh yeah, there's CMLL. Yeah, so maybe you could go to Noah instead, or or just not do Japan for a bit, and then a year down the line have more of an idea. Can look at where's Bandido now, where is is Dragon Lee now? Dragon Lee's on the next T. He's but it seems a bit weird that one because they they did the whole oh it's Dragon Lee in the crowd and then didn't do a lot with him afterwards. At least Vikingo got a five star match out of his sudden debut. Yeah, not just a nice seat. <laughs> but apparently that's better booking apparently oh yeah well, that, well it's good booking because they're catering to people 
who know who these people are, which NXT did a bit, and then the whole point was to introduce them to the audience. Less so now. Yeah, less so now. That was fine. Almost as if different things work in different situations, and that's what actually the whole point of wrestling. Look, I won't lie. The reason that Val Venus was popular in the Attitude Era and is a is a character that people still remember to this day. I think he's genuinely is Rob Gronkowski, whatever his name is, his favorite ever wrestler. Oh, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, Gronkowski. Yeah. Which, yeah. from what I understand about Gronkowski, makes perfect sense for that. <laughs> the Mister Perfect vignettes as well. But the Mister Perfect ones came after he debuted. Ah. He was just kind of Mister Perfect Kurt Hennig, and then. The, the videos repackaged him. Yeah. So you could do that now. Vikingo goes. And then you, if you want to bring him back bright and shiny in three months time when you got something for him, you could do the video packages. Show him with Kenny Omega. Yeah. There are different options here. There is not one line of thinking. Just as there's not one way of rating this match. Because as I said, I wouldn't rate this match five stars for little things. Like, like there are moments of awkwardness. And it didn't grab me emotionally. But it... It amazed me what they could do. You know, as a move spectacle, that's fantastic. But I wanted a bit more because if Omega's targeting the back, then I feel like there should be something out of that. Even if it's just he, he shakes it off after a little while, there should have been something out of that. I enjoyed it, but it's not got every single thing that I want to go five stars. So I'd probably go four and a quarter. That, that sounds about right for me. Okay. But that's still incredibly good. There's not many people that would debut and I give a match four and a quarter stars, you know. God knows they want that from me. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'd go... In its subcategory, as a... Basically, a highlights package. Which is what this sort of match was built to be. It was a Vikingo vehicle. It's five stars at that. But as a match... No, no, it's 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 not quite five stars for me. I'd go... I'm sort of minded to be in your ballpark. I'd... Go four, four and a quarter, I think. And before anyone else calls me out on the hypocrisy, I know that I complain when we were talking about World of Sport Wrestling that no one was being given anything other than matches and no one was introduced, no one had name. Now, to be fair, they gave El Hiko Del Vikingo name graphics, which I do think you need to do. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> it's not, not, especially with a name like El Hiko Del Vikingo. Mm. Not everyone's going to get that with the pronunciations. Yeah. <laughs> How that's supposed to be spelt. That's another thing, like, one thing that you would probably weigh up one way or the other. My guess is that if he went to WWE, even under Triple H, he would say, well, we've got to drop at least the El Hijo Del part. (laughs) Whereas AEW would just let him be. Yeah. I mean, they've they've literally factored that into their computer games now, haven't they? But, well, well, let's not get into that. (laughs) That was a wild day on Twitter when that came out. Yeah, well, every day's a wild day on Twitter, it feels like. Yeah. It's funnier when more people are on the same page, but yeah. As much as I love doing this podcast with you, Simon, and and watching wrestling and great wrestling from past and present and having what I think are pretty good conversations that I hope don't follow the stereotypical path of where 99% of wrestling conversation goes and where 99% of opinion goes. Mm. There are times when you're just on Twitter and everything that I just do sometimes think, you know what? I'm going to fuck off to a small town in the country, find some job that I can do that's working from home, even if it's the shittiest paid job, buy a bunch of 19th century novels and start listening to just jazz music and say fuck off to everything else. 
Oh. Like genuinely not know what's going on. They're like in the world. Do you know that? Did you see that thing about how during the pandemic, like two or three weeks into it, Jared Leto commented on his Instagram. Yeah. Saying like, I just didn't come from this spiritual retreat in the middle of nowhere. What the hell's going on? <laughs> it's one of the few moments in life I thought, you know what? I wish I was Jared Leto. Well, can't say I blame you in that scenario. I wish I was as empty headed as that man is. Yeah. <laughs> as uninterested in the rest of the world and the rest of civilization oh. the 19th century novels it's not it's not entirely because i'm up my own ass although a lot of my favorite novels are from the 19th century it's just they're so big and fucking long yeah but if i get loads of them that will probably cover the rest of my life as much <laughs> as anything and it won't be enough connected to the real world that i would have to think about it you know yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean. <sighs> But just because this is the 200th episode, that doesn't mean that we're now going. That's not our, This is not our farewell. Although, we are going to do some special stuff and we are probably going to remove some of the old stuff and put it into a band camp or something. Mm. Not paywall, but just like a one-off $5 thing and you'll get like hundreds of hours and we'll do extra stuff. We will do a debrief. Now, Meltzer might overtake us with a couple more past 200 before we get the debrief done. Yeah. But I would say... Hopefully by the end of April we'll have done an episode that is the debrief with the 200 and we'll do an updated list. We'll give individual top 20s now and then do a collective top five. Woo! It might not be any different, you know, but uh, I'm going to have to rewatch that Misawa Kawada match. Because there's a guy I follow on YouTube and he definitely will give a contrary opinions. And he gave that match four and a half stars. So... <laughs> And when he does lists of best matches, he makes a point of saying every match after this one is better than that match. (laughs) (laughs) Joseph Monticello, if you want to check him out, you should check him out. He's really good. Um, Anyway, next week, assuming there aren't any more five-star matches, and as we say with Meltzer now, we can't guarantee that, we will give you the match that we keep talking about doing. What are we going to do next week, Simon? All things uh, touching wood and what have you. What he's been referenced in this episode already, we're talking about Pentagon in Lucha Underground. I'm very excited to do some Lucha Underground. It's his match against the Black Lotus Triad, which is a gauntlet match against four female assassins, basically. Isn't it three? Uh, No, 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 there's four. The Triad would suggest it's three, Simon. No, you'd think. You would think. Well, we'll explain why that's the case, or we'll explain why Simon's wrong at a later <laughs> point. But until then, so many people want to get in touch with you with uh, any suggestions of ways of interpreting numbers and words with them. How can they do so? <laughs> they can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of times in this match, I literally lost all sense of belief just, just watching what Vikingo does. <laughs> Started questioning physics. <laughs> yep, yep. Pat was the man that gravity forgot. Vikingo seems to have just reinvented physics all wholesale. Vikingo's the man who forgot gravity. Hey. My name's Lord Kamalan. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, which are the first two letters in the antlers on the Viking headgear that Vikingo wore to his entrance and then realised too late that he put them on the ring post he was planning to stand on for one of his moves. <laughs> 
at gmail.com. If you put, if you put at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. That is my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and letterbox. You can get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. I really should have said that at the start, shouldn't I, to introduce myself? Because that's how you got to introduce yourself. And my name's Simon Cross. What a bad booking that was, Simon. <laughs> Thank you for letting us tell you something. Shut the fuck up and have a five-star time. Until the next time. Sir, my name's Barry Egan. I called your service yeah, the other night. Shut the fuck up. Oh, what's that? I said calm down and shut the fuck up. What's the problem? The problem is if you give me a chance to explain one of your employees, that girl who I was just speaking with has been threatening me, and four blonde gentlemen just attacked me and smashed my car and hurt my girl. All right, go fuck yourself. That shit has nothing to do with me. All right, I run a legitimate business here. Listen to me. What's your name, sir? Answer me! What's your name, asshole? I'm Barry Egan! How do I know? You could be anybody, You're a bad person. You have no right taking people's confidence in your service. You understand me, sir? You're sick. No, no, no. Shut up! Shut the fuck up! You have no right to take people's confidence. Shut up! Will you shut up? Shut up! Shut, 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 shut up! Shut up! Now! Are you threatening me, dick? Aren't you? You go fuck yourself! Oi! Fuck! Did you just say go fuck myself? Yes, I did. That wasn't good! You're dead!